Hi everyone, thank you for joining us again. My name is Jordi Miller from Lexington Well Management and welcome to Between the Head and the Heart. Uh, we are joined today uh, once again by David Morton, uh, a Chief Market Strategist for Rokuton Investment Advisors and by our co-founder and CEO, Michael Tucci. How are you guys doing? Doing great, good morning Jordi, good morning Dave. Doing great Jordi, hi Mike, how are you? So I wanted to gather uh, you today, both of you, to specifically talk about next year. Um, as we are having meetings with clients, uh, we are meeting friends and family uh, during the holidays because we tend to work in this industry. We always get asked, hey, what's coming next year? <laughs> is, is, is the next year going to be a good year for the market? And I thought I would structure it a little uh, differently. I wanted to specifically talk about the United States and separately specific to, to, uh, specifically to talk about international markets. So why don't we start there? Mike, with you. Um, how did you answer this question to your family and friends when they ask you, what's 2019 like domestically? So I'll often say short-term forecasts are really difficult because every year you'll look, I think it's Forbes magazine has 20 economists every year and they make their predictions and there's a good amount of their predictions that are absolutely wrong every year. So. <laughs> That's one. Uh, the second piece is, and I, I think I saw one economist do this once, and he talked about risks in the market, and he went through what he thought were risks. Then he had the next page, and it was a white piece of paper. And he said, that's what I'm really worried about. And he said, what? I'm worried about what we're not thinking about. So with that in mind, you know, we are investing for people for the long term. We, we do broad brush think we're getting late in the cycle, whether that's now or two years from now, we don't know. So we think about planning, we think about people's liquidity needs, the cash flow needs, um, and maybe use as an opportunity with rising rates to, to maybe look for some more um, income-oriented pieces and looking back towards fixed income a little bit more uh, to make sure that they'll have sufficient cash flow should there be a big pullback. Because we don't want to be selling in a big pullback, we want to be thinking about buying more in a big pullback. Hmm. So. Cool. Um, now, from a market strategist, David, uh, tell us about how you see domestically the U.S. next year. I think the U.S. next year is going to see progressively slower growth as the, the year goes on. And uh, I think in response to that slowing growth, which is already, I think, uh, maybe not obvious, but we've seen we're seeing signs of it in, in the data uh, to date, I think the Federal Reserve has started to sort of react to that and um, maybe change its course um, and reduce interest rates less than expected uh, next year. So I, I think the um, growth will will certainly be important. I think what the Fed does um, will uh, will either support or or challenge growth further. And then I think. Um, just what what exactly happens with the trade tensions with China will have a, a big impact on on market confidence, market levels, and uh, and also indirectly on the level of growth that that we have in the economy. Hmm. Um, now that you have shifted a little bit to international, I guess you can possibly expand more in other areas. That is not just China. I'm assuming uh, regarding Brexit or regarding any other. Uh, uh, possible emerging market the expectations yeah. for yep. overseas. Um, so, so I, you know, I think that um, you know, I mentioned trade because you know I was talking specifically about the impact on on the U.S. in in response to the previous question. Um, when you take it over overseas, the uh, the trade issue has a bigger impact than it does on the U.S. 
because uh, trade is a larger portion of the Chinese economy, and it's a larger portion of the European Union's economy. So to the extent that the trade tensions have put sand in the gears, if you like, of international commerce, um, that's slowing global growth. It's slowing global trade uh, and international commerce, and it's having a bigger impact on the growth level of the European Union, Japan, China, and emerging markets than it is on on the U.S. So trade is a big deal. Um, um, From the perspective of if we got an agreement on trade, that could really sort of change things in a positive direction. If we don't get any agreement on trade, I would expect sort of greater and rising tensions and pressure on real economies and markets uh, overseas. Uh, just a, a comment from my perspective, and this is, you know, this is, I, I'll argue outside of my pay grade, uh, commenting on this, but uh, something I think about. I, I always think of China, and when I think of China, I think about a, a country that thinks in terms of decades and centuries. And when I think of the U.S., I think about it being in terms of minutes, seconds, and maybe hours. So my, my worry is, and I think there is a battle going on to be the most dominant economy in the world and trying to position ourselves for the future. And they're trying to position themselves for the future. So in the, in the I guess, foreseeable future, I, I worry that this is a, a bigger battle taking place between these, between our country as well as China. So that's one quick thought and um, worry, I guess, to some extent. But also, when I think about markets and holding things like international and emerging um, markets, which equal about 50% of the world's market capitalization, I think it's dangerous not to own those asset classes because I, right now I'm feeling, I'm curious to hear Dave's comments, that a lot of really bad things have been priced into those markets and any surprise to the upside you know, could reignite those markets, A. B. We all have short memories, um, but when we look back at 15-year returns, uh, emerging markets is either at the top or near the top when we look at it. They had a really great period in the 2000s um, and it actually outperformed the U.S. by a fair amount. Uh, lots of people forget about that and they think that you know only the U.S. can do well because that's been the case for the last several years. So, your comments, Dave? Yeah, I would totally agree. And and I would add that not only are non-US markets and emerging markets cheaper from a valuation perspective, but they're also they also have um, currencies that are cheaper than the US dollar. Um, so sort of uh, an added layer of cheapness that we can add on. Now that in the short term doesn't mean that they outperform um, from this moment on. Um, again, you've used a 15-year period. I don't know if we need to use a 15-year period looking forward, but clients um, should long, clients focused on the long term should feel comfortable and confident that they can allocate and continue to allocate to non-U.S. markets and emerging markets. You know, recognizing that ultimately valuation does in fact move equity prices, um, uh, despite the last 10 years of being sort of uh, questionable U.S. versus uh, uh, other markets. You know, from a forward-looking standpoint, um, I think it's absolutely the right position for a long-term portfolio to maintain allocations to those regions. So, and I guess you have answered at least part of my last question for this particular podcast, which is the, the three top influencers that can impact the market next year. And I take for, uh, not for granted, but uh, by a fair, that definitely 
uh, trade policy will be one of them. And then uh, the, the second one would be how interest rates and dollar, uh, especially currency, affects uh, trade uh, within countries. Uh, what would you say the third one would be? Um, As an influencer. <laughs> The, the, the third one, I think, is just um, just sort of the, the macroeconomic backdrop. Um, it's clear today, I think, that the data is starting to slow. Hmm. Um, but what happens, sort of, what does the data look like three, six months out from here? Do we continue to slow in the direction of a recession? Or do we bump along and, and manage to create a level of growth which keeps us away from recession? Um, you might hear from from some saying that this has been uh, almost, if not quite, the longest economic expansion the U.S. has ever seen. A lot of people take that to mean that we therefore have to have a recession uh, imminently. Um, Australia has gone 27 years since its last recession. So it's possible in economics to not have a recession and a business cycle in, in, a normal, in the normal ways that we've seen them in the past. Other things can happen. Um, but I think, you know, the level of growth um, for 2019 is going to be, you know, a crucial factor in, in whether corporate earnings manage to stay high, therefore support the equity market being stable to, to up, or if we see sort of a, you know, a more rapid slowing and we see problems in, in corporate earnings and higher leverage levels and greater risk levels within uh, the corporate sector. Awesome. So, um, well, it seems that a lot to a lot we have to be looking for in 2019 and be careful, uh, especially here at Lexington Wealth Management. Um, but as Mike said, as advisors, we tend to look for the longer term. So it's a way to bring us back to rebalancing, to figure out goals, to figure out financial planning once again, and make sure that they are aligned. So, with that being said, I wanted to close this podcast. Uh, Mike, is there anything you would like to say just before we close it? No, Jordan, for purposes of this podcast, I think we've covered a lot. And um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thanks, Jordan.